This morning, I'd like you to turn in your Bible to the book of 1 Corinthians. Yes, 1 Corinthians. I know I was having difficulty that with this morning. <clears throat> but uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Um, and, I, and I have to say that there is probably uh, no other book that really, truly exemplifies the subject matter this morning than the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, the book of 1 Corinthians talks a lot about a lot of things. I mean, you've got the gospel of Christ in chapter 15. You've got uh, rewards being discussed in chapter 3. Um, you've got uh, all sorts of things, including marriage, um, just being discussed throughout it. You have, uh, you know, again, the purpose of, of man in this life found in, in chapter 6. I mean, there's just so much that's in there uh, with all of these. And the way that it was put together clearly shows that it was given a very specific order. That God had it arranged that way for a reason. And, I mean, again, you go over to chapter 12, and he ends it talking about, uh, uh, if you will, charity. And then charity goes into uh, the next ver- or next chapter in chapter 13 and, and talking about how important that is and, and why charity is so important. And then he goes into the whole subject matter of gifts and tongues and things like that and, 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 and using them to show, okay, this is, this is what uh, occurs with those things. This is how they're to be done. And, and, and all of that, he covers it. But it's used, to, you know, but, but again, the, the, the use is again that we would excel at edifying, as he says in this chapter. And this morning, I just uh, want to, if you will, kind of give a very simple thought about the importance of something in the Christian life. And it's the importance of order. Of order. In verse 40 of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it's a simple verse. Let all things be done decently and in order. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for the time. Thank you again for an opportunity, Lord, to just get into your word this morning, to learn something. And Lord, I just pray that uh, as we we seek to to know more about you, know more about what you've done for us, uh, to grow in you, that Lord, we would do that by being very attentive this morning, that uh, the thoughts and the cares of this life and this world, this day, Everything that would be possibly hindering us would be set aside that, Lord, we would focus solely upon you and you, what you have to teach us, your Holy Spirit to guide us and to direct us. I thank you again, Lord, for all that you've done for us this day and uh, that, uh, Lord, you've given us your word that we can have this time. And I pray, Lord, that we would just use it to please you, honor, and glorify you with everything. And this I ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So right there in chapter four, <coughs> chapter 14, verse 40, he says, let all things be done decently and in order. Now this is, if you will, a scriptural principle. And, and, and I like the fact that it says let. 
if you ever do a study on in the Bible about the word let, I know it's a three-letter word that seems kind of weird to do a study on. But again, let means that you are allowing. And there are certain things that God says you should not allow in your life, and there are certain things that God says you should allow. And what he's saying here in this is, is that we, we should have that allowance in our life that everything that we do should be decently and in order. I mean, the, 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 you ever seen somebody act indecent? It's not pleasant. It's awkward. It's, it's, it's disturbing. And, and sometimes I, I, I dare say, you know, in some Christian churches today, there's a lot of stuff that's just indecent. You're like, that has no, that has no business being here. What is that? We don't need that. Some things, sometimes it's just sheer chaos. Sometimes it's just, it's just, it's just a madhouse. But God it gives this very simple verse, and this is what I want to use to kind of, if you will, launch into this thought and to get us that God has an order for things in our life. God has an order. I mean, and when we think about it, you know, we'll see some things here. But but as we grow in the knowledge of God and who he is, it becomes very, very, very evident from Scripture as we read it, as we study it, as we memorize it, as we meditate on it, as we pray about it. God is not a God of chaos. God is not a God of happenstance and luck. God is, it's not a coincidence. It's not like something that God looks down and goes, oh, well, that I guess that kind of worked out pretty good. No. Oh. Well, that's interesting. He doesn't really have that mentality. That's not God. Nothing surprises him. He's the creator of all things, and by him all things consist, Scripture says. And and again, you think about it, your body has an order. It has a way that it does things. It has laws and commandments, if you will, that it abides by. And for you, you're very thankful for that. You ever have a body that is disordered? You ever see somebody that suffers from Parkinson's? Advanced MS? Lou Gehrig's disease? ALS? They're not in order. There's something wrong. There's a, there's a problem. And God is, God is a God of order. God is not one of chaos. He is not the author of confusion, as Scripture says. He's methodical. He's specific. He's detailed. And he's ordered. He wants things done a certain way. He wants done, things done a certain way. You ever know the guy, the individual that just seems to operate everything by the seat of his pants? I'm talking about fly by the night, you know, it, 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 you just look at the guy and you go, how in the world? And he's like, I don't know, it just happened. <laughs> and you're sitting there really honestly questioning the person's sanity. Like, you know, you, you, you probably should invest in a little bit more time planning. And, and they, if for some strange reason they get this empowerment and they think, oh, hey, I can operate that way because it worked out okay the one time. No, no, no. Should plan, should have forethought. 
Why? Because it, it demonstrates care and consideration. Just like God. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He has care and forethought and foreknowledge of everything that we need and what we uh, are, are going to require in this life. He had care and knowledge and forethought that, that we needed salvation. But there's an order. He, he, he doesn't do things haphazardly. He doesn't do things in a disorganized manner. Well, we all know by the guy that flies by the seat of the pants, you, you know the disorganized person. Anybody in here called to the ministry of disorganization? You, 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 you're one of those individuals that you live in your, your life. Uh, you're like, everything has its place. And even though it looks like a mess, you know where everything is. And they're the person that are, that's always sitting there going, Oh, I know I have it here somewhere. And they're like, uh, Griffey, what did you do with it? You moved it. Um, you know, <laughs> that kind of person. You know, he didn't move anything. He's fine. <laughs> he leaves all my notes alone. <laughs> but, but, but you understand what I'm saying is, is we know the disorganized person. We know the person that, that, that's so disorganized that they have to spend a half hour looking for their car keys. They want to go somewhere. They want to do something. And they're disorganized and they have no, they have no plan. They have no thought. They have no, they, they just, they just, again, that's not our God. It's not who he is. And, and, and as a part of, of, of godliness, and we are as Christians called to godliness. That means that we are to behave. We are to think. We are to, 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 to use the words that God would use. That's what godliness is. If we've ever wanted to know what godliness is, it's God's behavior. God asks us, just behave this way. I just want you to do this. I know you're not God, but this is what I want you to do. So he gives us an order. You know, I'll, I'll give you an example here in a minute, but, but, but th- this is what he wants us to do as part of godliness. He, he wants us to have our thoughts, our actions, our words, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> he wants them <coughs> to have order in their lives. He doesn't want them to be disordered. He doesn't want, excuse me, I don't know what happened to my voice here. He doesn't want us to be just kind of, if you will, haphazardly living for the Lord. He wants us to purpose for it. He wants us to plan. He wants us to make a decision to do those things. He doesn't want us to use, if you were, coincidence. In our Christian life. He wants us to look to him for the guidance and the direction. And that's what godliness is about. If you go back through and you begin to read the things of the law in Exodus and Leviticus that Moses had penned, God told him to write down. God told the Levites and the priests very specifically that he had an order for their actions. 
in the tabernacle and eventually in the temple when it was built, there was an order. There was an order for the candlesticks, the way that they were to be done. There was an order for the showbread, the way that God wanted it done. Uh, there was a, a, a way that you arranged the wood on the altar. There was a way that you arranged the sacrifice on the altar. And you go over there and you read it over and over again. It says, in this order, 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 in this order. And when we think about the word order, it, it, it's not just necessarily sequential. Sometimes it is. And, and it's, it's, but, but the idea and the concept behind it is, is that this is the way that God is saying he wants it done. This is why it becomes important to understand what order is talking about. And because the word order does have multiple meanings. I mean, we can talk about the order of Melchizedek. Talks about Melchizedek many times in the book of Hebrews, but it talks about an order that he has. And what is that? As a specific, you know, if you will, group or a person that, that has a certain behavior or way that people would follow. And he's talking about Jesus Christ being in that order of Melchizedek and who he is and the way, uh, the, uh, the way he did things. We, we know that there's like, you know, the fraternal order of police as an example. A group of people that all have, if you will, same purpose and same thought processes and same behaviors to accomplish a specific goal, to get to that. It's kind of what an order is. We can also look at it from the form of, uh, you know, uh, the, with, you know, that association with a particular person or group or, or something of that nature. But it also, it can reference a command that's given. Can reference a command. Again, it's always it's it's just always ironic when you start thinking about it and you get the young teenager that's 17, 18 years old and says to mom and dad, I'm sick and tired of you telling me what to do. I, I I'm leaving. The dad says, Well, what are you gonna do? You need a job. I'm gonna go join the Marine Corps. <laughs> Because I'm tired of people telling me what to do. <clears throat> yeah, you know, honestly, if any of my girls said that, I would just say, <clears throat> um, just let me know when you're going to show up at basic, uh, you know, and you should get to stand on those little yellow steps because I want to see how you handle uh, that whole concept of being freedom of not being told what to do. I just want to see that. I want to see the horror in your face when you realize... What decision did I just make? What choice did I just come up with? Because you're going to be told what to do. Why? Because your commanding officer is going to give you a direct order you have to follow. If you don't, here's this wonderful term called court-martial. That is not a pleasant experience. But again, we look at all of that and we realize there's all these things. And we even look at the meaning of talking about, you know, a sequential series of items or, or events that, that, that occur in that specific sequential order. So when we look at order from Scripture, we find a couple of things. Let's go ahead and turn to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 29. Second Chronicles chapter 29. <clears throat> 
Second Chronicles 29 is, uh, um, you know, dealing with some things with, uh, Hezekiah, uh, one of the better kings. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, Hezekiah does some stuff, uh, here in this, uh, this, uh, passage where he's offering some sacrifices. Um, he's doing this, you know, again, for the purpose of, of uh, praising God and glorifying Him. And uh, in Second uh, Chronicles 29 and verse 34, it says, But the priests were too few, so that they could not flay all the burnt offerings. Uh, wherefore, their brethren, the Levites, did help them till the work was ended. And until the other priests had sanctified themselves, for the Levites were more upright in heart to sanctify themselves than the priests. That's kind of a very interesting thing to think about, but interesting enough. But in verse 35, it says, And also the burnt offerings were in abundance with the fat of the peace offerings and the drink offerings for every burnt offering. So the service of the house house of the Lord was set in order. It was set in order. There was a certain way it was to be done. There's a certain way that God wanted to be worshipped. There's a certain way that God has, if you will, an orderliness about how those sacrifices and, and actions of the priests and the Levites were done. They had to sanctify themselves. They had to go through a process to do that. And some of them hadn't done that. You know, we see that the Lord has a specific order that he wants things to be done in a certain manner in which they're to be, to, to be handled. And we find here a very interesting thing where, where, where there's these priests and Levites and some of the priests weren't, weren't ready for it. They, they had missed doing the very first step, which was sanctifying themselves. They kind of did some things out of order. And because of that, they wound up getting excluded. And they had to call in the Levites that had already done those things. They were more willing to do that. And they had the right heart to do it. Some of the other priests were probably sitting there, and based off of what we see in verse 34, you can kind of, if you will, insinuate that, that maybe some of those priests were, were sitting there thinking, All right, why do I have to go and sanctify myself? And the Levites were, that's what we do. We should do that. We should sanctify ourselves. As a believer, we should go through that process every single day. We should sanctify the Lord in in our hearts, meaning that he is put in his specific place that he belongs, which is preeminent of over all things. He's on the throne of our heart. And we need to sanctify ourselves in saying that I will do that which is right according to the Lord. That decision. Because he asked sanctified us upon salvation, saying, you are set aside for his use and his use only. Our life is not our own. So we find that God has this specific order that he wanted things done in the temple. And and as he says, the house of the Lord was in order. It wasn't chaos. Because if you look at verse 30, it says, And Hezekiah rejoiced all the people that God, or excuse me, verse 36, uh, uh, that, that God had prepared the people for the thing was done suddenly. You know, sometimes when you do something really quick, it doesn't seem organized. 
Sometimes when you do something, uh, you know, without necessarily planning that this is exactly how it's going to be done, uh, it's disorganized. There's no order to it. You're just, if you've ever had one of those things happen where you're, you're running here and you're running there and there's no, there's no, uh, uh, you know, uh, cohesiveness to it. And it just seems like everything you're trying to put out all these little fires. You're trying, it just seems like a giant mess. And here's all this stuff. I mean, they've got so many sacrifices going on. They don't have enough priests to handle it. But again, everything was done in order. All of this was coming in, all of this was being done, but the house of God was not in disarray. And I'll tell you this, as, as, as we are called the temple of the Holy Ghost in the book of First uh, uh, Corinthians, and he dwells in us, our lives are not to be in disarray. We are not to be the chaotic person. By the way, when we're that chaotic person, you know what generally happens? We have a tendency to build up a lot more fear and anxiety in an incorrect form. And we happen to have a tendency to focus on it. And stuff happens suddenly in in this day and age. Stuff happens. I mean, there's stuff getting thrown at us every single day. I didn't expect on, you know, one week to wake up and go, oh, hey, I'm going to have a life-changing surgery. I wasn't sitting there planning it and going, hell, hey, that, that week of August, you know, August 7th, I'm going to go into surgery. Yeah, I, now I am. Now I know I'm going in March 1st for the, you know, for a surgery. But beforehand, it happened unto me suddenly. Suddenly. I remember just sitting there thinking, oh, I, I'm I'm in trouble here. And then just telling my wife, take me to the emergency room. Because the voice is the voice of my doctor, the urgent care doctor, saying, if things get worse, you start vomiting, you start doing anything, you go to the emergency room immediately. Do not wait. This is before they knew what was going on. And I knew exactly, he, he told me, if you will, an order <laughs> to go. Things happen suddenly. You don't plan. You don't plan. Our life isn't to be chaos. And as things do come at us suddenly, we are still required to be in order. The house of the Lord is to be in order. And if he's dwelling in us, our lives are to be ordered, specifically by him. Turn over to Psalm chapter 37. Psalm chapter 37. Our lives are to be ordered. Psalm chapter 37, verse 23. A great verse to memorize. A great verse to meditate upon. Psalm 23, excuse me, Psalm 37, verse 23. It says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. That is an amazing thing to think about. You know what makes the good man a good man here? The fact that he's delighting in the path that God has chosen for him. He's content. He's thankful. 
He's a happy little guy. He's just moving along and he's, he's just, he's delighted. As they say, he's tickled pink. Yeah, here he is. He's just all excited about this and he's just, you know, if you will, enjoying this. And what is he enjoying? He is enjoying God saying, you put that foot in front of that one. He does that. Okay. See that next foot? You put the behind, put that one in front of that one. And he's like, oh, okay. Do that, do that again. Okay. Keep doing that for about five more times. And guess what happens? Progress. Forward movement in the Christian life. Not stagnation. Not a stale Christianity. Not a boring Christianity. You know what makes a bore, you know, people will say, well, Christians are so boring. You know what makes a Christianity boring? When there's no movement. When you're just sitting there doing nothing. That's boring. The Christian life is exciting. Christian life is challenging. Christian life is terrifying from time to time. The Christian life relies on a lot of you saying, Lord, I have no idea what just happened, but I know and I trust you. Help me. (laughs) There's a lot of that in the Christian life. But it's ordered. God expects our house, our temple, his temple, to be in order. He expects us to worship how he wants to be worshipped. He expects us to do what he asks us to do. And he expects us to do simply what we tell him to do, which is as simple as putting one foot in front of the other. Let's go back to the 18-year-old that that said he didn't want to be told what to do. And as he's out there, he begins to learn immediately one of the very, very, very basic principles of any military there is, that term called marching. You have to put one foot in front of the other the way your drill instructor tells you to. Otherwise, that foot is going to wind up in a place you don't want. It's not going to be pleasant. He's going to be, you know, as you try to move that foot and you don't move that foot, I mean, he's going to step on that foot on purpose. He's like, why is that foot there? Did I tell you to put that foot there? It's going to be underneath his heel. It's not going to be pleasant. He's trying to get you to understand something. Do what you're told to do. Otherwise, you're going to die on the battlefield. Do what you're told to do. And as a Christian, we need to be doing what we're told to do. Otherwise, we're going to die on the battlefield of this life. We're going to become a casualty. The Lord says, just simply put one foot in front of the other. He orders it. That drill instructor tells that group of scared young men and women who now realize and questioning whether or not they've made the right decision as they're terrified and they're going, you know, they finally get into their BDUs and they're finally getting ready to go out there for their first march or their first run. And, and, and he's very specific about how he wants them doing it. He wants them all swinging their arms the same way. He wants to hear every foot hit the ground at the same time. 
You know how hard that is when you got a guy that's like five foot and one guy that's like six foot? My wife complains about that. Uh, and now I complain about it. She, she moves a lot faster than me. I'm a little bit slower now. Uh, you know, <clears throat> surgery kind of took the wind out of me, slowed me down a little bit. I'm like, just like telling her, just slow down. What's the rush? So now I know what it's like with her. Yeah. <clears throat> once I get, once I get my stride back, she's going to be like, you know, scurrying behind me trying to keep up. But uh, she doesn't do that when we're shopping. She just goes off and does her thing, you know, just wanders around. And I'm having to go hunt her and find her and, you know, drag her back to the register to get her out. But, uh, <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying is we're all, you know, they're all told what to do. He, he doesn't want to hear, a cadence that's out of step. And the Lord doesn't want to do that either. The Lord doesn't want to hear that. The Lord wants us to have some order in our life that is given to us by Scripture that says, this is how I want you to do this. This is how I want you to behave. Go over to Psalm chapter 119 while we're there. Psalm chapter 119. In Psalm chapter 119, in verse 133, here's how they get ordered. Here, here's how you bring order into your life. Here, and I love this because God says, I want you to have order. I want you to have order set in the temple. I want you to order your steps. And here's how you do it. In Psalm 119, 133, Order my steps in thy word. And let not any iniquity have dominion over me. You know how you get victory over sin? Do what you're told to do. The only reason people don't like being told what to do is because of pride. It's because of pride. Somebody tells us what to do. You know what we need to do? Yes. If you're in the military, it's yes, sir. Sir, yes, sir. If you're of the squid version, there's an I usually put in there. I, sir. <laughs> you know, whatever it may be. But but you understand, it's you do what you're told. And here he says, he says, order, order my steps in thy word. Lord, I want to know how you want me to use your word to guide my life. That's why this book becomes the most important book you will ever own. Why do you think there are countries that prevent this from being owned? Why do you think there are religions that don't want this read? Because it'll tell you exactly what you need to do for your life to have order. Because if you got somebody that's living in chaos, you can control them a lot better. You can control them a lot better. Because there's more fear and more anxiety. I tell you, you want to learn how to control people? Instill fear. You're interrogating somebody, a subject, you get some fear in there, guess what? They're liable to tell you whatever they, whatever they know and then the stuff that they don't even know. 
that they think they know. They're going to find whatever it is. They're like, what else do you want to know? If you instill the uh, right amount of fear. You don't think the devil will use that God-given emotion of fear for his own good so that you'll do exactly what he wants you to do instead of doing exactly what God wants? Ordered steps in the Word of God. Ordered steps in the Word of God. I'll tell you, you know, over there in Titus, Paul tells Titus, he says, you know, I sent you over to Cyprus for a reason, or to Crete for a reason, uh, and that's to, to set and order things that are wanting. And we as believers need to understand that. We have to set things in order that are wanting in our life. Our life wants order. You ever notice that with kids? Kids do a lot better when there's structure. When there's borders and boundaries, kids will thrive. This whole concept of removing borders for children and removing boundaries so that they can be free, children don't develop right when that happens. You have to have what? Here's your border. You can operate within that border. You can do anything that you want within that. You realize that that's the way that God tells us? That's the Christian life. He says, you have liberty, not liberty to sin. Here's your box. This is what you do. You you can do as much of this that you want all day long. But outside of this, no, 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 no. You don't have liberty for that. Liberty doesn't mean you get to do what you want to do. Liberty has borders and boundaries, and if it doesn't have borders and boundaries, it's not liberty. It's called anarchy. And you know what anarchy is? Survival of the fittest. So we, we, we live in those parameters. And he tells Titus, he says, I want you to go set some things in order that, that, that are wanting. And there's many times in our Christian life, there's stuff that, that's wanting. There's a desire for it. They tell us that, uh, that our bodies are, you know, they're smart and that they know certain things. That all of a sudden, if you get a craving for something, that there's some sort of nutrient or something that your body needs. Because of it. And I'll say it to a degree. I've seen it in my own life. All of a sudden, I just get this intense thirst. And I'm like, oh, I'm going I'm to get dehydrated. And I'm chugging all sorts of electrolytes and water. And I'm pouring it down as fast as I can. And I'm walking around bloated with edema for the next five years. Because I you know, got so much water <laughs> poured into me and everything else. that I'm just like... Man, I, I, I want, you know, I want to make sure that I get enough. Now, obviously, there's too much. You can't kill yourself by drinking too much water, which is odd, but you can. But the, here, here, here's the concept, is, is that our bodies want certain things. And in our spiritual life, we should want certain things. I'll tell you, you know, sometimes when you're going through, and, and again, I want you to keep this in mind. Emotions, they're meant to draw us to God, all of them. Happiness, sadness, fear, and anger, all meant to draw us closer to the Lord. That's the purpose emotions are given to us. They're to be used in a scriptural, godly manner. Used outside of that is generally what we see in the world today. Which is why everybody wants to get rid of fear. But he says, fear the Lord. Fear fear should install, when fear comes up and you go, ooh, Something's not right. 
You know what that is? I'll give you an example. Peter. Peter saw the wind and the waves, and he became afraid, and he began to sink. And what's the very first thing he did when he was fearful? Lord, save me. You know what it was teaching him? It was teaching him, you took your eyes off of God. Put your eyes back on God and ask for help. And the Lord immediately reached out and helped him. That's what fear does. That's the purpose of fear. So when fear comes up like that, what do you do? Lord, help me. Draw near to him. So when we go through some sadness and some some things in our life, you know what? The last thing you should do is is, is kind of try to isolate yourself. As I talked about this morning, alienate yourself. Don't do that. You know what you need to do? You need to draw closer to the Lord. You need to draw closer to the Lord. You know what you're probably missing? You know what your body, your spiritual life is probably craving? Is craving fellowship with good Christians that are going to help encourage you and edify you. Help you through your difficult times. They're going to come along and fulfill the law of Christ, as it says in Galatians 6. And they are going to come, and what are they going to do? They're going to help you. They're going to help bear your burdens. But now all of a sudden, what do we want to do? We want to wall ourselves off, and we think that Facebook's going to help us. We pour our heart out on Facebook, and we get some of the most awful drivel that has ever been. No. Your body, if you will, your your soul is craving, craving that closeness with the Lord. It's craving that desire. And you need the encouragement, fellowship of believers. There's an order to things. Finally, turn over to First Chronicles. <clears throat> And here's the cusp of the message. In just a few minutes, I want us to get this very simple thought. In First Chronicles, uh, in chapter 15, um, some bad stuff had happened. Some things uh, didn't quite go the way that David had planned. Uh, again, here's this, you know, I like bringing this one up because it's, it, it's again, what, what David kind of wanted to do was a good thing. He wanted to bring the ark up and put it where it was supposed to be. Good thing to do. He just went about it completely the wrong way. Everybody gets so excited that they put it on a cart and they, you know, everybody's dancing around and nobody's paying attention except for Uzziah and he sees the, you know, the, the oxen stumble and the possibility that the ark can fall off and land on the ground and he goes to steady it, puts his hand on it and <laughs> dies. All of a sudden, you know, the guys that are playing the, the, the flutes and the harps and the, the psalteries and the sackbutts and everything else and they're just stopped. Everybody looks at David. And David's staring at Uzziah. Like, is he breathing? One of the soldiers goes over. Nope, he's dead. <laughs> he's gone. That was on David. David knew better. I want you to see what, 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 what's said here in this passage of Scripture. 
you know, um, in First Chronicles chapter 15, it says in verse, uh, verse 13, it says, For because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for what we, uh, for that we sought him not after the due order. You know what the first thing that they forgot to do was? Seek God in it. You know, God's got an order for your life. You know what the first thing you need to do is? Seek God. We sought him not after the due order. What the due order is for your Christian life? Ask God first. He said, this is, we, we didn't do that at the first. We're doing it now. Yeah, but Uzziah's still dead. My granted, what they did, it was great and it was, it was good, but man, it, it, it created some, it created some tension between God and David. And David got mad at God for what David had done. He had sinned, and what did he do? He caused a breach. Fellowship was broken. Something had been had broken in the relationship. And what was it? David didn't seek God. First. First. You know, there's an order to how things go in this life, in this Christian life. Tell you this, the first and foremost thing is, is you can't live for God and you can't do anything for God and you can't even read the, the, the Bible to, to grasp concepts the way that God wants you to if you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the first thing. The first thing in due order is you, are you going to seek the Lord for salvation? Before you seek him for knowledge, before you seek him for wisdom, before you seek him for any of those other things, you need to seek him for the salvation. That's the first thing. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's no name under heaven by which we must be saved. And who is that? That's Jesus Christ. It's not a matter of just saying, I believe God. Devils believe and tremble, the Bible says. It's not a matter of just saying, well, I've always believed in God. Okay, but who do you think Jesus Christ is? What do you think he did for you? And why do you think he did it? Well, he's God. And he died on the cross and shed his blood for my sins because he loved me. He wanted to give me salvation. And all I have to do is receive it. That's simple. Not work for it. Not give money to a church. Not sit and pray five times a day. No. Simply receive the gift of God for eternal life. That's simple. That's the first step to seeking God. 
The next step is we actually have to order our steps according to his word. You have to make this so important in your life. The word of God has to have preeminence. Because he's going to tell you how to seek him. He's going to tell you how to diligently seek him. Are we going to know everything about God? No, because he's God and we're human beings. We're going to, at some point in time, we're going to short circuit. There's things about God I, I, I don't understand. Again, how do you understand the concept of he's always been and will always be? Well, if you live outside of time and time is not something you have to deal with, then that's a possibility. You know how hard it is for mankind to even just get to that point about time? Let's go ask Einstein and those guys. They wrestled with those. But here we are. God's saying, look, I just want you to have an ordered life. I don't want you running around in chaos and frustration and anxiety and fear. I don't want you running around in this life, you know, looking for everything else that you can't seem to find when God has always been right there, so very near to us, as it's said in Scripture in the book of Acts. He is near to each one of us. You know how easy it is to get access to God by trusting Him as your Savior? You want to know how easy it is, Christian, to get back into the Word of God? Pick it up and start reading it. The world, the devil, and your flesh will tell you it's too hard. No, it's not. Nothing is impossible for God. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. It's going to take time. Things are going to be done in God's order. One step in front of the other. Don't run ahead and don't be behind, but be in step with the Savior. Order your life according to what God tells us to do. That is the simplicity that we find in Scripture. The importance of order in our life. Let's stand for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this time. Thank you again, Lord, for a very simple understanding about what we need and why we need it in our life. And Lord, I thank you that you sent somebody to tell me about the need for salvation. I thank you, Lord, for all the continued growth that you've given me and the opportunities in my Christian life. And Lord, again, I just thank you so much for the blessings of just being able to to trust you and, Lord, to trust those orders. It's difficult to trust man, but, Lord, it is it is so easy to trust you if we just produce a pattern of it in our life. Believing you are God, believing you know best, and believing that you have an order for my life and for the life of every believer. I thank you again, Lord, for all that you've taught us. And I ask and pray this in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.